Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is August the 9th, and our chapter for today is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. Now, if you have something that you can jot down a note with, or you can remember it, or you can listen to this over and over again till you can, the first part of Luke chapter 4 and the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, I cover on July the 25th, the podcast for July the 25th on the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, I deal with the temptation of Jesus. Now, I'm not going to deal with this in Luke chapter 4 because it's the same material. Yes, there's some new information in Luke chapter 4, but you're going to read about that. And you can compare Matthew 4 and Luke 4 and get a more detailed description of the actual 40-day temptation of Jesus where he was solicited to do evil and to disobey his father in heaven to transgress the law of God and to be like any other person. But he did not. He was tempted. He was in every category of sin that we are yet without sin. Unlike Adam, he did not fall. He was victorious. And uh, the Gospel of Luke records that. He adds a few details that Matthew does not. As you know, there are four Gospels, and the reason for that is not one person would have all of the different facets of every event that took place because the Bible is not complete in details a lot of things happen that are not recorded, and that's okay. If we recorded all that Jesus said and did, the last chapter of the Gospel of John says the world couldn't contain the books. And so all the way down from Luke chapter 4, 1 through 13, actually it is a recounting and a narrative of the temptation that I cover in July the 25th podcast of Matthew chapter 4. But we come to verse 14, and it says, After his temptation, and after he had left Judea, he came through Samaria and came to his hometown of Nazareth. We'll pick up on the narrative there, verse 14, Luke chapter 4. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and the news of him went throughout all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. In other words, everyone was praising him. Everyone was saying how wonderful he was, placing great value upon his teaching, because he taught as one having authority, not as the scribes and the Pharisees, who was all theory to them. It was just something they did. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, this is very important, because he's about to do something, and he did it as a habit of life. What was it? He went into the synagogue on Shabbat, on the Sabbath day. Now, this is very important, because this is instructive. It tells us that Jesus had a habit of going in to the synagogue and worshiping. Well, now, wait just a minute. The synagogue is not Levitical. It's nowhere mentioned in the entire Tanakh, in the entire Old Testament. It is only, you ready for this? Here we go. Tradition. That's right. 
The synagogue is just a traditional add-on. It's not the law. It's not even in the instruction in the Torah of Moses. It's not in the prophets. It's not anywhere in the writings. No, the synagogue is not mentioned. The Beit Knesset is never mentioned. That happened during the silent years, the intertestamental period. This is just a tradition. It was something that was started that's not codified. It is uh, in the Talmud, of course, in the Mishnah and the Gemara, but it is not in the law of God. It's not in the instruction of Moses. It's not in any other place in the Old Testament. So it is tradition. Are you telling me that Jesus kept things that were tradition? Some people say, well, I'm not going to do anything that's not in the Bible. Well, Jesus did. You want to be like Jesus? Well, then he did things that were only tradition. They're not taught in the law. They're not taught in the instruction of Moses. So when did Jesus keep tradition? Because we know that many times he did not keep the traditions of the elders because they distracted from the primary worship of the word of God because those traditions distracted him from the primary teachings of the word of Almighty God. And so uh, there's a principle for us. That's an axiom to follow right there. If the tradition enhances our walk, it encourages our walk, it is better for us and helps us to love God more, to serve others in a greater way, then we ought to embrace those kinds of traditions. But traditions that distract us and detract us from the primary purpose in life, that is to love God, love others, and make disciples as followers of Jesus, well, that means we need to not embrace it. We need to eschew it. We need to separate ourselves from it because it's unhealthy for us. Not all tradition is bad. But not all tradition is good. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's sacred. But on the other hand, just because it's old doesn't mean that it is sinful or it is not good and it's not healthy. The difference is just what I said. If it enhances and encourages our walk and our relationship and our fellowship with God, we need to embrace it. If it doesn't, we need to not be concerned with it. That's tradition. So don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. That's what we have a tendency to do, knee-jerk reaction. Well, my dad did this, my grandfather did this, so therefore I'm not going to do it because I'm new, I'm trendy. I've got, I can't listen to that music. I can't listen to responsive reading. I can't do this, I can't do that, because that's what dad did. And, you know, after all, I'm not my dad. Well, maybe you should be in some areas. All I'm saying is tradition is not bad in itself. We need to measure all traditions by the template of the pattern that Jesus did. And so it was his custom he went into the synagogue. Let me say something about that. You see, Jesus was the only perfect one in his synagogue. Now, often I'll hear people say, I don't want to go down there at that church because if I go down there at that church, oh, so-and-so's down there and they're a hypocrite. Well, Jesus was the only one that was there that wasn't hypocritical as some area, but he went anyway. What I'm telling you is Jesus was absolutely perfect. I mean, if someone came up to Jesus and said, you think you're perfect? He could have said, yes, I am. And I've been telling the truth. If someone came up, they could actually come up to him and say, who do you think you are, God? He could have said, yes, I am. I'm the creator. And it would have been truthful. What I'm saying to you is this. Jesus worshiped as a perfect human being. You and I are not not even in the ballpark. Surely you don't think that. If you do, you've got some mental issues. Really, you do. Not just spiritual problems. You've got some mental issues because no one can say I'm perfect. Jesus could. 
And even his enemies couldn't refute that. His friends couldn't refute it. His family couldn't refute it. They became followers of Jesus, knowing him as they did. Yes, they didn't understand to begin with, but when he performed his greatest miracle in the resurrection from the dead, even James, his brother, his half-brother, became a follower of Jesus. You can read about it in the Bible. He wrote a book called James. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in the first six to eight verses, it talks about he appeared to James especially after his resurrection. Now, all I'm trying to say to you is this that Jesus went to the synagogue, it was his custom, that tells us he was a religious Jew. Don't ever say Jesus was not religious. He was religious. A religio just simply means a routine, a ritual. And there are routines and rituals that lead to righteousness, and we ought to do them more. I mean, what is a quiet time other than a routine? What is going to church other than a routine? You say, oh, if it's just routine, I wouldn't go. Well, you should. Because the Bible commands us to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together in the way that some are doing, because the days are evil in which we're living, and we need that fellowship, that camaraderie, that encouragement. There's no such thing. Whatever culture you are a part of or in, it doesn't matter. God doesn't save people to be lone rangers. God saves us for community. And so this is exactly what Jesus was doing. He was part of the community. Now, it's interesting that he, when he went in, the scripture says that he went in and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, and he goes on to read a portion out of the book of Isaiah. Now, why would he choose that? Because that was chosen hundreds of years, begun by Ezra during the silent years, that Persian period. Ezra began to apportion out the instruction of Moses, the law of Moses, the Torah. And it was called a Torah reading. It was a uh, Parsha that was uh, every day a certain portion of the Torah was read, and there was a portion from the prophets many times that were read that would give enlightenment and commentary on a particular portion of the Torah. And uh, there's a lot of reasons why that came about, but it was a part of a reading. And so this that Jesus was reading was a sign for that day. And he opened it up to the place that was the assigned reading for the day. And in the providence of God, it just happened to be about him. It just happened to be about him. You see, this was God's divine providence. You see, God really is in control. And so he had the very place where Jesus was going to be reading it had actually been a sign hundreds of years before that on that particular day, this would be read, and God knew that. And when Jesus came in, the Father already had it worked out for His Son to be reading a passage that when He finished it, and He closed the book in verse 20, He closed the book and He gave it back to the attendant and sat down in the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on Him. And he began to say to them, he was saying, they began to say, in other words, he kept on saying this, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And they marveled at the power and the graciousness of his words. And then they got thinking, well, wait just a minute. This sounds like Messiah, but who is this? This is, this is Jesus. He's Joseph's son. And so they were tore all to pieces about this and wanted to hurt him. And he said unto them, you will surely say the proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. 
Whatever we have heard done that's in Capernaum, do also here in your own country. Then he said unto them, Amen, Amen. Most assuredly, I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. She wasn't a Jew, and many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. In other words, what he is saying is this. God is not only the God of the Jews. Yes, they are his chosen people. Yes, he made a covenant with Abraham. Yes, God has used them in the past. Yes, God is using them now. Yes, God will use them in the future. But God is the God of the whole earth. That's what their prophet Isaiah said. And that has been the design from creation. God uses the Jews as an instrument, as a tool to write the Bible, to bring the Messiah in the world, on and on and on. But God is concerned not just with the Jews, but all humanity, because he is the creator of heaven and earth, and he is the God of all the earth. And he wants to be your God. He wants to control your life. He wants to control my life. Let's let him do it. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.